Welcome to the Wake and Rake podcast. Want a chance to be featured on the show? Follow at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Now, here's Danny and Will. Party people, episode 31. Welcome to the World Series edition. Will's laughing because this is our second take doing this podcast. My first time I said party people, but I kind of like slurred my words. It's like party people. So we're running it back one more time. It's all right. I, I needed that first. We haven't had time to do shows. We're out of practice. Yeah, dude, I'm rusty. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I always no one, got it. No one really expects greatness here, let's be honest. Uh, not from your side. I can't speak for myself. Well, I can only speak for myself, really. I... <sighs> Some good whiskey. Yeah. I know you're tired. You've been doing shows left and right. You you only got time for your own podcast anymore. You got ESPN. You got CBS Sports HQ. I mean, I got two kids. I got to keep alive. I got like a handicap. I'm trying to keep down low. You know, I play golf. If I'm lucky, I get to play golf once a week. If I'm lucky, during the postseason, ain't happening. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. We ain't golfing over here in California. We had an absolute monsoon. This last weekend. I saw that. I saw it on uh, on the football game last night in San Fran. I was there. We went to that game. We, we went sat to the game. Ramp. Yeah, we went and sat through a monsoon, what is it, atmospheric river, I think is what they called it. Yeah, that By happens work. once a week here in Florida. Yeah, no, yeah, like Californians freak out. It's like but the game's going on in Seattle. If right only now. that rolled through and you guys had the fires, right? Jeez. Dude, we needed it. We needed every drop. So it's it's yeah. good to see. Yeah. But all right, enough about the weather. Can we talk about the right. World Series? I got I had to find my inner Mike Trout because that man loves weather. But yeah, let's talk about the World Series, man. Dodgers, Braves, Braves come out on top against the Dodgers. It's gonna be Braves, Astros. Astros going uh, on top against the Red Sox, man. It's gonna be a great matchup. I don't think it's anyone's ideal matchup. Let's be real. Nobody wanted to see the Astros in the World Series, unless you're I an think- Astros fan. Unless I, you're I, an Astros fan. If the Red Sox weren't involved, I wanted to see the Astros in the World Series. For what reason other than... So, here's my theory. Well, number one, I love Dusty Baker. Yes. He's a baseball lifer. He won one as a player in 1981 with the Dodgers. But it, as, as a manager, he's only been there one other time with the Giants. They got beaten seven games versus the Angels. Um, you know, he had that infamous moment. Mary went out and took the ball and was like basically like congratulating the pitcher, and then they end up blowing it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of bad, but I don't know. He's just, he's one of the old school guys that's left. It's going to go 50 50 old school to new school analytics. And he was brought in on a really tough spot. And I feel like he was the only guy that could handle it like he did. And he even said, like, in the first year, I didn't feel like I was a part of this team. I was just kind of a buffer to the media. And he's like, this year, I feel like I'm part of the team. They took me in. He had their back in a lot of different situations. So for, for Dusty, I do want it for him. For that team, you probably won't agree with this, but the whole cheating thing was four years ago, yeah. all right? The fans have held on to it because everyone loves a villain. Let's be honest. The players have let this shit go. Mm-hmm. I mean, you hear chirps here and there, but it's like normally it's a pitcher that gets the shit pushed in the night before and they're, they're pissed about it, so they're like – yeah, they're cheated. They're pretty probably relaying signs. It's because there's no way I could give up four runs in an inning, you know? Well, it's Not like part fact. of the culture, like baseball culture. It's like next thing. You know what I mean? Every, every coach preaches That's it. next at bat, next pitch. So as a player, you can't look 
at the Astros as a player, you can't say, well, they cheated four years ago. No, 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 no. There's like you have four guys on that team that were a part of that. You have a task at hand right now. You have the Astros right now. You don't have the Astros of 2017. You have the Astros of 2021. Right. So I think if they win this World Series, it I mean, it doesn't bury it. It doesn't it doesn't completely turn the page. But in a way, it does, because now they're saying, look, we did it without it. We did it without cheating. Um, and then I'm looking even further down the line at like Altuve and probably Correa getting in like um, Hall of Fame votes one day. Yeah. And I don't want that to be tainted for them because they are really good players. They are. Jordan Alvarez, too, apparently. <sighs> Dude. He's insane. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want their career to be tainted because of one year. Because of – I can probably say, like, it wasn't their idea to do that, but they were a part of it and they accepted it and they liked knowing what pitch was coming. But they're just kind of a product of their environment, if you know what I mean. I'm not justifying it at all. No, I hear what you're saying. I I hear what you're saying. I'm pulling for them to win just so we can kind of get past it. I'm sick of hearing about it. By the way, I must apologize for my lighting here, but it is, as Will pointed out before we started this podcast, spooky season. So I got weird light. I'm having lighting issues. I apologize, but it is spooky season. So it's kind of, I don't know, kind festive. of elemental festive. Yeah, I don't have any decorations behind, but I got to fly in here. If I start just like swinging, it's, that's why. You're like a cat. Meow. <laughs> Astros are coming in the American League. West champions at 95 and 67. The Atlanta Braves, National League East champions at 88 and 73. This is really funny here. So, and I mean, no disrespect by this. A lot of people kind of came at me when I put this stat or these numbers. Dude, I loved your tweets the last couple of days about the the difference in the teams of everyone that's eliminated. It's crazy. And a lot of people take uh, take it as like disrespect. It's not at all. I just, it's a fact. It is what it is. Honestly, if anything, it's celebrating what Atlanta did this year. And celebrating really what baseball is all about in that it's not about 162 necessarily. It's about postseason. What can you just, do? Can you get, get 16 in. wins? Just get in the tournament. Right. Or, or 12 wins plus a wild card, depending on yeah, where I you're I mean, get playing. hot. Get hot. They, weren't, they didn't have to play a wild card game. So the Seattle Mariners and Toronto Blue Jays, those are two teams that did not make the playoffs. The Toronto Blue Jays finished with 91 victories. Seattle Mariners finished with 90 victories. They did not make the playoffs. The Atlanta Braves are going to the World Series with 88 regular season victories. And that's not to say that I'm not over here preaching that Major League Baseball needs to restructure their postseason. They need to allow more teams in and they need to go off records. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just simply saying it's incredible what Atlanta has been able to accomplish considering they won 88 games. They had the 12th best record in Major League Baseball. 12th. They were the 12th best team in the regular season. Well, they're the one of the final two teams. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but we can't leave. We can't not talk about what happened too. I mean, Acuna goes down with an ACL. Azuna breaks his hand. He's missing time. Then he has the assault charges, uh, which causes him to miss the rest of the season. Soroka retears his Achilles. He gone. All right. So then we're thinking, all right, they're going to retool at the trade deadline here, uh, make some moves, just get ready to to, to ball out in 2022. Well, we like mid mid uh july they get jock peterson and i'm going that's kind of weird mm-hmm. and then on the 30th duval and then they pick up jorge soler and then they get <laughs> my man who is in fuego right now mr eddie rosario who can't get out he's in up in every big situation and you look at soler who honestly carried them offensively in september he got covid so he missed the postseason up until now 
Um, but Rosario picked up the slack there. They have Freddie Freeman. They have Austin Riley, who stepped up, who we don't talk about nearly enough, who his offensive production was right there with Freddie Freeman. Um, Swanson, Albies, all these guys are producing. It's crazy. They had Darno was out a lot of the year too. Their catcher, their starting catcher. So yeah. what they did, and I think I think a great move by that front office was saying, Hey, we have enough. This is a weak division. Like, let's kind of go for it. Like, not crazy, but pick up a couple pieces, rebuild our outfield because we're hurt. We're missing everybody. Uh, we're running out triple A players out there right now. Let's at least get some big leaguers, even if they're bench players, someone else, let's bring them in. That you're in a clubhouse as a player, you go, Oh. I thought we were packing our shit in. They believe in us. Mm-hmm. Well, let's figure this out. It's almost like you're playing with house money because no one in the world expects you to be a contender. And then you look up with a week left in the season and you're at the top of the standings yeah. and you're fighting, like literally playing for the postseason for with a week left in the, with Philly. Right. So it, that's what we just said. Like, just get in, just get in the tournament. If you get hot, you can win it all. You really can. This this series could probably go seven games. I got to go in like six. I'm glad you brought up odds and uh, house money because I'm just looking at the lines here heading into the World Series. Houston Astros are favored. Um, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, they're favored at minus 150. Atlanta Braves are coming in at plus 130. That essentially means if you put down 100 bucks on the Astros, or excuse me, if 100 bucks on the Atlanta Braves, you get your 100 bucks back. And plus 130 if the Braves end up end up winning it. That's how that works. So let's talk about uh, game one pitching matchups. We got Charlie Morton, your horse uh, for the Braves going game one. Framber Valdez, the southpaw for the Houston Astros, going game one for the uh, for the Astros, as I mentioned. So interesting that the Braves are not going with Max Fried game one. Uh, they could have pushed him a little bit. They're going with Charlie Morton, who has been one of the best big game pitchers in baseball, really, since he got traded over to Houston. And I mean, he's been in he's been in the playoffs every year since he got traded over to Houston. And now all of a sudden he's kind of become a postseason hero and a big game guy. I mean, it's kind of he funny closed, his career how closed out the World Series for the Astros in 2017. His career is so strange because he made one he made the playoffs one time over like 10 years with Pittsburgh. All of a sudden he gets traded over to Houston, and now he's like Mr. October of a, every year. A he's, he's like in a CS, right? He's in a, right. Right. Every year, Tampa. I mean, we see him all over the place. It's just, mm-hmm. and it's like the last five years, he's gotten better and better. And he's getting his late. He's like, what? 37. He's like later he, in his thirties. He, he considered retiring. I, mean, I know dude. I faced him yeah. in like 2013, 14 when he was in Pittsburgh and he's on 91, 92 sinking good stuff, but like not electric. Mm-hmm. I think it was 97. So it's like whatever he figured out analytically, metric-wise with his body and drive line, whatever it may be, I don't know what he did because um, everything's about velo now. But he kept his movement with the velo, which has just made him so, so good. Um, yeah, but then on the other side with the Astros, Framber. It's like which Framber are we going to get? Right. Because he was nailed the against Sox Boston. That, the first game right. versus the Red Sox mm-hmm. where he gets his tits lit. Or are we going to get him eight innings, three hits, one Ernie? Um, by the way, I, I dug more into that that outing too. He had 14 ground balls to three fly balls. Mm, weak contact. You, know, you look at his sinker; it's not a run. It doesn't run. It's not horizontal break. It's vertical. Mm-hmm. It's like straight down at like 93. It's nasty. Change up, same action, a little more run. Big hard breaking ball back foot. So I think if we watch him in the first inning, we're gonna know if he has good stuff. Is he elevated? 
if he's elevated over the heart of the plate, he's going to get hit. Mm-hmm. If he's staying down, even if it's middle, if it's starting thigh high and good and getting below the knee, he's going to be successful. If he gets the ball on the ground, he's going to be successful. Remember Valdez is a good story too. I was kind of digging into his yeah. backstory and his background. Dominican Republic. Most guys that sign out of the, the DR, like 17, 18, 19 years old, this guy signed at 21 years old. He signed for 10,000 bucks. That's it. Uh, he basically threw a, he was throwing a bullpen. He earned his tryout with the Astros after just six pitches. So the Astros scouts down there in the DR, they saw six pitches and they're like, yeah, this guy's pretty damn good. So they gave him a tryout over uh, at their camps down there in the Dominican Republic. And then he ended up signing after that tryout. And then three years later, this guy was 21 years old in the Dominican Republic, not pitching for anybody professionally. Three years after that, he was in the big leagues with the Astros. That's all it took. Three years. And then now he's obviously going to be hey, pitching game one good, in the World Series. If you're good, they will find you. Yeah, that's exactly right. Can we talk about the Dodgers a little bit here? Because the Bra- I, I know we're looking ahead to this World Series matchup, but Dodgers-Braves, Dave Roberts is getting a lot of <laughs> criticism right now. A lot of people want – it's always the manager that has to be the scapegoat, right? Anytime any team loses, it's always the manager. I think it's really interesting because in the NLDS, after it, me and you were both talking about, man, Gabe Kapler versus Dave Roberts, what an amazing chess match that was. And Dave Roberts ended up getting the best of Gabe Kapler. What an amazing managerial series that was. And then after the NLCS, now everybody's saying Dave Roberts needs to be fired. And that's just kind of baseball in a nutshell. Listen, that's playoff baseball in a nutshell. It's really just a microcosm so, of Dave Roberts' career as a manager. I'll give you the baseline of this first. So every decision he made, if the players perform and do their job, no one questions those moves. Mm-hmm. You know, even when you bring in Arias in the second or third inning instead of starting him, which was dumb in my opinion. He won 20 games for you. Um. I thought they just tried to get a little cute there. But what people need to realize is those moves come from above Dave Roberts. Mm-hmm. All right. This is Andrew Friedman and that analytical group that has run that team for a couple of years or more than a couple of years. That, that's coming from them. Dave Roberts is in there for those meetings, but he didn't have the final say. Yeah, I think it's a group. I hate to break it to you. Yeah, no, that's all right. It's, you, it's I know you know it's, that, but it's, it's manifested. Everything that happens, everything that happens operationally, it's manifested. I just think if you're a team that won 106 games, why would you change your methods? Why would you change the way you do things? I know the postseason is different, but you win 106 games. You know how hard it is to win 90 games? Not, they won 106 games. Why do you change the, the way you attack each game? Put your starter out there. You get off days in series like this. You can rest. I know you're down from seven. You're down to three starters from seven. I get that, but you have a great bullpen. But you have to ride those starters like you did all year. You have guys that can give you length. You got Tony Gonzalez out there. You eventually had David Price. You could add. I just, I, I, I don't put this on Dave Roberts. I promise you those decisions did not come from his brain. He's going to have to wear it because that's just how it is. But the players didn't perform. And the front office didn't put those players in, in, in a good position to perform successfully, in my opinion. I don't want to hear the injury excuse either because it's a real thing. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, it's a real thing. I mean, 
However, when you have a payroll of $270 million, $70 million or $60 million more than any other team in baseball, 60. I'm not, so I mean, regardless of what you're paying those the players, Sox. they can still get hurt the exact same. <laughs> That's exactly right. So it's a real thing. With that said, no one wants to hear it because of the money. That's exactly right. And not to mention, too, you had about 10 different options starting rotation-wise. You know, if you look at how many pitchers they had available this year, start with Bauer, Dustin May. Uh, they had seven starters. Uh, they're both gone. Uh, they acquired Danny Duffy at the deadline. He never pitched. Cole Hamels, he never pitched. Guys that you thought would be options, very similarly, ironically, to the San Diego Padres just south of them. Yeah. You, uh, you thought you had eight nine different starting pitching options instead you had about two and a half in the nlcs you had about walker bueller on short rest kershaw's gone you had julio Arias, who you brought out of the bullpen that's one and a half two and then you had max scherzer who ended up having dead arm so you got about two two and a half three starting pitchers left you thought you had eight nine ten options yeah it's baseball I- but at the same time when you have that big of a payroll i just want to say one thing about walker bueller he put his nuts out there, dude. He, he look. I really. Eddie got him. That's it. Eddie got him. Look, he had. He was on three days rest, right? right. He's on three days rest. He was one of four pitchers to have two hundred plus innings this year. Mm-hmm. He finished the season with two hundred and thirty six innings pitched. He'd never thrown more than one ninety five. So you know he didn't feel good. After a sixty game, season. after a right after a, a series that he only played thirty percent of what he normally plays, right? A little more than that, thirty five percent. But like that—that's that's ace stuff right there. Mm-hmm. His, you tell me, his arm wasn't a little dead? Sure, it was. That's why the, I was surprised because he started throwing. I saw 95, 96, 97. I'm like, below's mm, there. But then I start seeing, oh, good snap on the slider. Okay, but then I start seeing miss his arm side. So when I'm seeing misses, he's trying to go away and he's missing middle or even running it back in. Mm-hmm. That just tells me he's trying to overthrow because he knows he didn't have the velo. So he was having to give a little extra, right? But that's three days rest. That's normal. But it's just the fact that he put his nuts out there for the for the club, like I I, I gained a lot of respect for him. Coming into that game, it was an elimination games. Walker Bueller, again, this was before that game six but he was coming in with about a 1.40 ERA in his career in elimination games. As a young star righty, man, that's that's impressive, especially for a guy that he hasn't been the guy for the Dodgers until this season, really. They really walked him through, and they allowed him to crawl. And he was only the guy because of injuries. Walk before running. Right, but they, I mean, Kershaw was their guy for so long. Then Urias became a guy. And then They always had a very, very short leash when it came to Walker Bueller. And everybody was kind of like, let the guy go. Let the guy, this guy's going to be a Cy Young contender when you just let him go. Let the leash off. They yeah. finally did this year. And I think he was everything they could have asked for. They did this year because they had to, not because they exactly. wanted to. That's exactly right. One thing I want to touch on too, Luis Garcia. He threw, <laughs> it was like 14 pitches at 97 miles per hour this year in his, in his outing in that NLCS game. He's probably going to pitch game two, by the way. It's probably going to be – they haven't announced their starters yet for game two. We mentioned game one's Charlie Morton, Framber Valdez. Game two is likely going to be Max Freed, Luis Garcia. Luis okay. Garcia threw about 14 pitches at 96 miles per hour above. That's about, It's more than he threw the entire season combined. He normally is like 93 to 95. Right. But I, I, got, I want to preempt it with this and say, 
adrenaline is a real thing. A lot of people were saying, oh, the Astros are doing some shit again. The Astros are putting something on. No, no, no. no. Like adrenaline is a real thing. Some pitchers pitch better in bigger situations. They up their velo in better situations. I personally was a guy. There was a bigger crowd when there was more on the line. My velo ticked up. Do you know what? uh, Something else it probably was too is they probably told him, look, if you can get us through three, we can put together after this. So he's probably going out yes. there, guns blazing, thinking, I'm only going to throw 50 pitches. Yep. You know? Instead, he started – he tapped into throwing harder. And then the – because he, he he was thinking I only have to throw half as many pitches I, you know, I, I normally would, or 30 less. I can go out here and throw harder. It's almost like an all-star game mentality, you know? And um, then he kind of found a groove. And then the adrenaline kicked in when he started kicking ass. Mm-hmm. The Venezuelan Kenny Powers looking motherfucker. <laughs> right? He's got the horse mane the going. He's he's a stud, dude. He was he was he was fun to watch, even though it was against my socks. Damn it. Yeah. You good? I never asked you about that. You all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me ask. I mean, I don't want to go on too big with tangent here. We could talk about the Astros, or excuse me. We can talk about the Red I'll, Sox. I'll just I'll say this about the Sox. All right. The Astros are better too. The Sox were streaky all year. Now, when they were hot, they were the hottest team in baseball when they were hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For multiple times throughout the year. But then there were times they were cold. They were the worst team in baseball. They were hot at the beginning of the playoffs. That they were. And then they it's the law of averages, man. There were just no there was no middle ground with the Sox this year. They were either here or here. There was nothing in the middle. And unfortunately, it ended because they they fell off it. They they went back to their just like law of averages. No way around it. <laughs> the Red Sox were a team that finished last in division last year. They, project, they were projected before this season to finish fourth. They ended up winning ninety two games. Projected they win, wins. They had to win game one sixty two. They beat the Yankees in the wild card. They beat the number one seeded Tampa Bay Rays in the first round. And then they end up losing in six games to the Astros. I think that's a success story. Less than two years after trading Mookie Betts. It was, and they didn't have to go buy as as Mookie Betts as a deadline. They didn't have to go buy. They didn't have to give up prospects. And they have some decisions to make in the offseason, but there's a couple spots here and there, and they're going to be a good ball club. I think Toronto is going to be – we don't have to talk about that today, but I think Toronto is going to be nasty. Yeah. I don't think anybody wanted to face Atlanta. I don't think anybody wanted to face Toronto. And I think a lot of American League teams felt lucky that Toronto didn't make it. The team, every team in the postseason to out-homer their opponent in the games in the postseason are like 18-1 and or something, 19-1. and What Toronto Blue Jays do better than anything? They get home runs. They out-homer the entire league. I found this interesting. Uh, I believe it was – the Washington Post that put this out, or Washington, it's one of those newspapers. Ground ball rates. So everybody talks about launch angle. Everybody talks about home runs in this day and age. The lowest ground ball, ground ball rates in baseball. The bottom seven, so the lowest ground ball rates, all were either contenders. So the only they all of them made the playoffs except of those seven teams. The only team that did not were the Toronto Blue Jays. So the lowest ground ball rates in baseball all made the playoffs, except for the Blue Jays, who the Blue Jays were right there. It, it came down to game 162. How do teams win in this era, man? I, I found that very hard. interesting. You, ground balls are not doing anything. I know a lot of old heads cool. want to say, put the ball in play, make something happen. The numbers say otherwise. Let me give you a different perspective, too. 
as good as pitching is, we're not seeing offenses string together three, four hits in inning. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen very often. That's why we don't see guys butting against the shift because it's like, oh, one out. Why am I going to bunt on the shift? And then it's going to take two more hits to score me. And this guy's throwing 98 with super sync. We're not going to do that. So you look for the lucky click here and there, the home run, walk, broken bat, homer, three run. That's where your runs come from because that's not only is that how the, the bat path is taught now, getting on plane, which is a slight uppercut swing, which is going to produce more fly balls. But mm-hmm. velo is up. Guys pitch at the top of the zone. There's more. There's not as many sinker ball pitchers like Framber. We're going to see. Yeah. Um, there's not. He, he's an anomaly right now. Like there's no one else. No one else is really sinking the ball. Charlie Morton. I mean, we're seeing two guys in one game that still sink it. But Charlie still throws 97 and can still throw the four seam with the rise at the top of the zone. He gives you both. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. There's just so many variables that that are causing that, and the teams that figure that out are, are successful. Hey, going back to an earlier conversation we had on the last podcast, once again, we have a season where a team completely notoriously dependent on analytics is not going to be hoisting a trophy this year. Teams that I think of, obviously, the Tampa Bay Rays, they, fall, they fell short last year. San Francisco Giants this year, they fell short in the NLDS. A team this year that I hate to say the Dodgers because the Dodgers spend too, but the Dodgers are, have fallen short. Yeah. Is it a real thing that analytics cannot win a championship? Because so far we have not seen a team, the Red Sox, analytically driven. I we think have not seen a team analytics, a trophy that is known to be so analytically driven. We haven't I think seen analytics can really push a team through a regular season. The Braves I are think- not known to be this analytically analytical powerhouse. No, look at their manager. Houston does have some tools that they use with their pitching staff. I know, I know that they are. Everyone uses technology. Right. Everyone. I just know that Houston is very advanced. So it's more analytics where we're talking about right now is decisions on certain lineup builds, um, yes. certain models that give you pitching changes or matchups. I think the two teams we're looking at with Dusty Baker and Snitaker they they let those coaches use their eye test. Mm-hmm. They let them use their their feel. Snicker's been in the game for 44 years. You know, if you look at his story, he was a minor he was drafted in a minor leaguer with the Braves 1977, 78, 79. After that season they released him and said you're not good enough. Do you want to coach? Mm-hmm. He started coaching in the minor league with the Braves 1980. Now, he gets to like the mid 80s, late 80s, he's the bullpen coach in the big league with the Braves. Ends up going back, AAA manager for a long time. Then he was the third base coach for the Braves starting in like 2006 through 2013. He had another role, and then in 16, he got the head coaching job with the Braves. Mm-hmm. He's been in the Braves organization for 44 years, bro. Wow. You know the shit he's seen? Yeah. Like the guys that have come through there? He, he was around when Hank Aaron was there. Yeah. Isn't that crazy to think about? He was there for that. As a minor league coach. You say 44 years? 44 years. Hank Aaron, 44? Yeah. Damn, that's pretty good. Yeah. But my point is, he's old school. Yeah. And I think once you get in the postseason, there's not a computer that can correctly calculate how guys react in big situations. Mm-hmm. There's not how – I know there's a clutch – 
stat and all that. But I mean, eye test of looking at a guy and going, he's scared shitless right now because it's the World Series. Looking at Blake Snell. I got a pinch hit for him. There's no piece of paper to tell you that. Yep. But they can see it because they've been around forever and they know it. Mm -hmm. There's no stat for that. So I think having these managers who have that feel gives you an advantage, period. Let's move on to this. I want to go deeper into this World Series matchup that we have here, Astros, Braves. I want to go category by category, and I want you to tell me which team you think has the leg up as we answer to this best of seven series. Okay, let's start offensively. You go one through nine, or you can even go to their bench. Who has the better lineup, Atlanta Braves or Houston Astros? Who's got the leg up? Houston Astros. This was the best offense in baseball for most of the year. You look at batting average, 268 first in baseball. Runs per game, 5.4 runs per game. Best in baseball, 9.4 hits per game. Also best in baseball. And they're not just going to nickel and dime you. They're third in the league in slugging with 445. Not the league, like major league baseball, all teams. Not, not just the American League. Um, one through seven, they're the best lineup in the universe. Yuli Gurriel won a batting title, and he had seventh. Isn't it ridiculous that this team also had George Springer, like, last year? Oh, one of the like, best postseason players. One of the best postseason players ever. Like, sometimes I think, like, this this team right now, like, probably the best offensive team in baseball, Not like you said, not just the American League. This team also had George Springer. Oh, yeah, they also had Garrett Cole. Oh, they also had Charlie Morton, who's pitching game one for the Braves. Justin Verlander. Oh, yeah, that Justin Verlander guy. He's pretty damn good, too. Like, this team, like – not not to go too far off off topic here, but I think that's what was so disappointing about the science stealing scandal. And I, I want to leave it in the rearview mirror, but I will leave it after this. I think what was so disappointing is myself included. I think I really fell in love with a lot of those players and that team itself. When they won the, the trophy in 2017, they beat the Dodgers. A lot of people disliked the Dodgers. That was part of it too. Jose Altuve is so likable. He's undersized. He signed out of Venezuela for a little amount of money. He was overlooked his he's entire quiet. Career. He's nice. Yeah. Quiet, nice student interviews. And he ended up, he's now an MVP type player. Carlos Correa. He's got swag. He's got attitude. He's a villain, but he's a likable villain. If you will, I think Agreed. people like that. Totally I, they, they like that, uh, that passion that he brings. Mm-hmm. Alex Bregman, just a freaking stud of a player. It's like blue collar, right? Like works is, you know, just plays hard. Yeah. George Springer, very similar fashion. So I could go on and on. I can go, I can go player by player from that 2017. I think that's what hurt people the most is that they were hurt. Like in their heart, they saw that team. Even if you weren't an Astros fan, they looked at that team and they said, I really like those players. And then when they kind of got stabbed in the back a little bit, the, you know, the, I know you're smiling and you're saying, come on, like everybody's cheating. No, no, I'm smiling. No, no you're right. I'm just, I, I'm thinking I just of think that what was the I think that's a crucial part of their story in that narrative is I think a lot of people and fans, just baseball fans in general, fell in love with those players. And then they saw not only what they did, but how they handled the entire science ceiling. Okay. Can we be, can we be a little honest now? Yeah. What do people love? They, what does the media love? Villains, right? Right. They love negativity. They love that they can boo this team because professional athletes are put on a pedestal, right? Are made out to be larger than life, better than you. Just, you know what I mean? That it's just how that's how they're treated. They make all this money to play a kid's game. Well, now we fans had an opportunity to be like, you cheated, you suck. We can boo you. We can throw stuff at you, and it just felt good. 
Mm-hmm. I think that felt good to just the world not and, and the media to just be able to shit all over guys that have been on a pedestal for the last few years. Punching bag. For sure. And I think it people enjoyed that. And I think that's why part of me wants them to win this year because I think that will end some of that. Mm-hmm. Because it's just it's, – it's, anytime there's a post that has anything – even if there's a post about Dusty Baker – you look in the comments, it's like, cheater, cheater, cheater. Like, he wasn't even there. Like, people don't even understand. They don't even know what happened. They don't know the story. Right. They just see, like, this is an opportunity for me to be a dickhead. They saw a headline. Uh, it's they just ran so with. overplayed, and I'm just like, there's the fucking fly. <laughs> and I almost got it. I hit it. I hit it. It's hurt. Like, it felt it. Like, I, I got it pretty good, but I didn't kill it. It's the first thing you've hit since, what, 2017, 2018? It's been a minute. It's been a while. But you get what I'm saying. I get it. I get it. Like, so, so part of me is like, I know even if they win it, there are people like, oh, they must, they just didn't get caught. They're cheating again. Yeah. You know, but this is going to shut a lot of people up because there is no proof. There isn't anything about them cheating. Mm-hmm. And they're, and if they win it, it's like, all right, they're good. Yeah. Since the scandal came out, you know, it was before the 2020 season, they made it to the ALCS, lost in game seven last year. And then this year, they're back in the World Series. This team is, they're damn good. They don't need the cheat. Three out of five years? That's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty good. Jeez. Back to our original argument here. So you're giving so, the lineup. You're giving it the Astros advantage lineup-wise. Let's move on to the rotation. Who has the leg up uh, rotation-wise? Braves, Astros. I go with, I'm go. i going to go Atlanta. Yeah. Um, they have three solid starters. Max Freed, Charlie Morton, Max Freed, Ian Anderson. Mm-hmm. Do you know it's Ian, not Ian? I did not know that. What? Pretty sure it's Ian. Like Iron Eagle? Yeah. Why Onions. That's, that's not the Onions guy. Yeah. No. Iron Eagles. Yeah. Jenny worked with him on NFL games. She works with Noah, his son, now. I like Noah. Noah's awesome. Anyways, starting pitching. We had the worst ADD in this bitch, man. Yeah, we do. So, yeah. And then if they need a game four, if, or if they have need length out of the bullpen, Drew Smiley's done some really competitive innings uh, this postseason as well. So, I give them the leg up there. Um, the reason I don't go Astros is just because they really, without McCullers, that's a big hole. That's a void. Yeah. Framber could be good. He could be bad. Garcia could be really good. He could be bad. Now, are you going to lean on like an Arkady? Are you going to piggyback Odorizzi with the bullpen? Grinky, we saw that didn't go well. He had been stretched out. Right. So I, there's a lot of question marks after two starters. So. I'm going to go – that's why I'm easily, easily leading Atlanta here because they have three solid starters, and that's really what you need in a seven-game series. Bullpen-wise, Atlanta, before I, I, I kind of give you the floor here, Atlanta, they really struggled bullpen-wise to start the season, and then all of a sudden Will Smith started to turn it on. Um, since the All-Star break, they had the third-best ERA in baseball since that All-Star break. So, I mean, they've obviously found their way. But Astros, Braves, who do you give the leg up bullpen-wise? I think it's close. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Braves here as well. Um, I love the lefties. I want to focus on the lefties here um, with A.J. Minter, Will Smith, their closer, and then Matzik. You saw with, when Matzik came in, he, he inherited a mess uh, from, from Luke Jackson. Second and third, 4-2 ball game, no outs. He comes, he punches out, makes Pujols look silly on a, on a breaking ball. Uh, then he gets Steven Souza Jr., freezing, froze him on a, on a heater, and then Mookie Betts took two fastballs down the middle. Boom, boom. 
and then was they were all clearly looking slider or breaking ball there, and he just didn't give it to him. So, and then comes out, strikes out Seager on three pitches, and then gets two ground balls, six out or six pitches, um, three outs in the eighth. And he just he's been unbelievable. He's he, I think he's an X factor there. He's going to get some really big uh, high leverage situation innings. He's another good story. We talk about Framber Valdez, but Tyler Matzik too. So. He was the first-round draft choice of the Colorado Rockies in 2009. Their top prospect at one point, they brought him up, really struggled. He all of a sudden lost his control, went through an anxiety issue. Uh, he got the yips, which every baseball player fears, every human fears. Ended up getting released by the Rockies. Ended up signing some minor league deals with the Diamondbacks, uh, the Seattle Mariners. He ended up getting released by three more teams. Ended up playing independent league ball for two years. Uh, with like the Iron Ducks or whatever the hell they were called. Finally got a contract back in the major leagues with Atlanta. And then now he's obviously one of the better arms in the bullpen back for Atlanta. He's back in the or he's into the World Series for the first time in his career. That's another the storylines keep coming along. I know a lot of people were looking at this World Series matchup and they're saying, like, oh, Braves, Astros, like, I don't love it. There's a lot of really good storylines. Freddie Freeman for six thousand plate appearances, all in Atlanta Braves uniform. He's in the world. You look at his accolades, like five-time All-Star, MVP. He's hit yeah. for the cycle a couple times, a couple of silver sluggers. He's missing one thing, yeah. a World Series. Yeah, that's exactly Great player. Right. Great dude. Great great guy for the game. Yeah. So you gave the Astros a leg up lineup-wise. You gave the Braves a leg up on both pitching uh, for bullpen and starting rotation. Mm-hmm. Let's get to your predictions here. There's a fly. Did you get him? That's disgusting. For our podcast listeners, he's got a dead fly in his hand right now. It's, he gone. You gonna wash your hands? Nope. I will after this. It's just a fly, bro. Jesus. Jesus. COVID. Cali boys are soccer. COVID started because of the rain. I sat in the rain during a football game. Okay, predictions. Let me give me your uh, World Series MVP before you give me who's gonna win. Uh, I'm gonna go Correa. It is my time. So obviously, if Correa wins MVP. You got the Astros winning. Yeah. So I got Correa. I just think um, he's like he's been the mouthpiece for the for the clubhouse throughout all of this. He's been the guy who's publicly been like, hey, shut the fuck up. If you don't know the facts, don't talk shit. Like he's come out and just been that guy, which I respect. Someone needed to be, but he's backed it up mm-hmm. big time. He's you played can't, he's if you played can't big. get him out, if you can't he get him out, you can't war. shut him up. He led position players in more. You know, he's about he was, to get paid. He's about to get broke off. And what better way to get broke off than be like, oh, negotiations are here? Guess what I just finished up? It's fresh on all of your minds. MVP of the World Series. Mm-hmm. Where do I sign? I asked my dad this last week. Who would you rather have? You can only choose one because they're all going to be free agents this year. Corey Seager, Trevor Story, or Carlos Correa. I don't care what team don't, don't put on your giants hat or don't put on your Dodgers hat, just baseball fan. Which of those three players would you most want to Correa is more exciting. Seager's a great player, but he's boring. Trevor story, great player, a little more exciting than Seager, but boring. Correa has got more flash. I think he brings, puts more asses in seats. He also has more injury concerns. Corey Seager gets hurt too. Story is the most durable of those three. Which is interesting considering he played in Colorado. Which yeah. people have a hard time staying healthy. I'm thinking about Tulawitsky. Right. And there's that question too that 
you know, people question about Nolan Arnauto is that bat going to translate to other ballparks? Nolan Arnauto, I know Nolan Arnauto had a good, good year, 30 plus homers with the St. Louis Cardinals this year. If you look at his career statistics and compare it to this season, his numbers did actually take a dip this year. He also sucked the first month. That's exactly right. So I'm just saying, though, Trevor Story going away from Colorado potentially, his numbers could at least slide a little bit naturally, just ballpark factors. You know, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, the gaps are bigger there because it's a bigger ballpark. So mm-hmm. for sure. I'm going Astros and six. Me too. Yeah. I'm going Astros and six. Uh, no, no. I'm sorry. Braves and six. What's Did wrong I say Astros? with you? I'm sorry. Right. Braves. I'm going Braves and six. Okay. I think at this point, they're kind of like the Nationals of 2019. Like it's just kind of a team of destiny at this point. They're hot. Okay. It got hot the right time to 2010, 12, 14 Giants. Like, this is how baseball is played, man. It's not always the best team. I think the Astros are the better team. I got I got Astros in six, but I think I think they win the first two at home. I think they go up 2-0. And then I think the Astros have that void in starting pitching for game three and four. And I think the Braves take advantage of that with Ian Anderson and, and whoever else they want to throw in game four. But um, I think that the Astros just – I think the difference maker here is intangibles, number one that huge chip on their shoulder. They're playing pissed. They have a point to prove. Um, and just postseason experience, man. Like, there's four guys in, in Correa, Bregman, Altuve, and Gurriel who've played 67 postseason games together. The most all-time is four guys that played, like Bernie Williams, Jeter, like all those guys that played the Yankees. So, after this series, if it goes more than four games, they will have the most as teammates wow. ever. That's a good stat. That's a good stat right yeah. there. Yeah. So – I think I that that goes a long ways. That's half your lineup. Yeah, Maldonado too. I mean, he's got yeah, plenty. Yeah, Maldi's been around. Like his next postseason. Like I said, postseason different. Like when you get up there, like you feel it. Every pitch is different. Not just the postseason, but the World Series. Your heart's beating out of your chest. Every pitch is the biggest pitch of your life. Mm-hmm. If you've been there before, you don't go through those first game jitters. You don't go through the second game jitters. Like it takes a couple games to really like settle in. They don't have to do that. Most of their team has been there. Austin Riley is my World Series MVP. Atlanta Braves are going to be hoisting that trophy at ATL. Not Freddie Freeman, huh? Not Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman is going to rake, but Riley's going to be the guy. I thought you'd pick a picture, a pitcher, honestly. No, nah, I mean the Madison Bumgarner performances—they're—they're not—they're no longer here. I think that's an unrealistic expectation. People place those expectations on Clayton Kershaw. Poor Clayton Kershaw. Dave yeah, Roberts did it too, man. Madison Bumgarner went and basically threw his arm off and won a World Series for the 2014 Giants. And after that, everybody looked at Clayton Kershaw and like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Why aren't you throwing it? <laughs> it's true. true. And then it's Dave true. Roberts said the same thing. Dave Roberts like, Kershaw, go to the bullpen. We need you out of the bullpen today. We're Kershaw seeing everybody doing that. Today. Everybody. And Kershaw now has this – I'm getting angry now. Kershaw now has this narrative about himself that he's not a big game postseason pitcher where actually if you look at his starts, some have been up, some have been down. But if you take out his bullpen outings and his short rest outings in the postseason, his numbers I mean, are actually pretty damn good. Yeah, but – I wouldn't say short rest. I would say take out the bullpen because you're going to pitch in short rest mm-hmm. in a seven-game series. You're just going to. My point is I'm not picking a pitcher because there are no more Madison Bumgarner outings. Those days are gone. I'm not going to see Max Freed pitch game one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's not going to happen. There are no more Madison Bumgarner. I want to see a guy's arm literally fly off his body. I'm just kidding. The hell is wrong with you? Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> Enjoy the World Series, people. Please don't lose your head, Mr. Potato Head, like we'll want you to. <laughs> I'm going to get this better. Mr. Potato Head can't lose his head. He is a head. 
This we, is a, we gotta we gotta end this. End this podcast. Um, no. <laughs>